Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. This is Jeremy. And my name is Pam. And welcome to our sixth installment of our mailbag series. Six. Which is crazy to think about. Like, if you're unfamiliar with what our mailbag series is, we essentially ask you, the listeners, to submit any questions you might have for us. It might be about Kelly. It can be about us. Kelly-related. Um, it can be fact questions. It can be um, opinion-based questions. It's kind of just a free-for-all, but it's basically questions that maybe wouldn't be a full episode, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. So I always love these. They're <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> just like Pam's intro. <laughs> oh, my gosh, y'all. It is It is rough. It's a rough morning. Um, but, yeah, I always love these. I love these these mailbags. We get to hear... You know, we get to hear from new people each time, um, yeah. and we get to hear all different, you know, crazy scenario questions, and which we have a few today, and also just you know, random Kelly related questions as well. I have to admit, I have not prepared very well, so a lot of these <laughs> questions, I might be very well hearing them for the very first time, right as Pam or I read them, and so I'm just going to have to try to answer right off the top of my head because. I'm woefully prepared for this week's episode, so I'm excited to see how this goes. Yeah, that's the fun part about this. And also, what we can just say is our our tastes do change over time. So even if you come up with an absurd answer, Jeremy, this time around, you know, you have the right to change your answer <laughs> later in the episode <laughs> or a few weeks from now. I will just, that's a blanket statement for the podcast in general. Yeah. Like, whatever opinion I give, I reserve the right to change that opinion. <laughs> Because, I mean, at this point, you know, we're over 75 episodes into this podcast, and there have been so many times when Pam or I have given our opinions about, you know, favorite songs from albums, songs that we thought should have been singles, et cetera, et cetera. And it's hard to remember what you say because half the time, you know, it's whatever you think in that particular moment. So just like how music is very subjective, our opinions about Kelly topics are also very subjective. And sometimes it just changes from week to week, month to month, year to year. Uh, so you might hear us sometimes give conflicting opinions based off of previous episodes. It's just because tastes change, man. So before we get started today, I have a couple of cool things to share. Um, the first thing is sort of about the Kelly Clarkson show. Um so as I've mentioned uh, in the past, um, I have been working in music for a while now. Um, I actually left my job um, only a few weeks ago, just wanted to do a different change. So I'm actually not working music at the moment, but I'm still very into the music scene. And uh, one of my former clients is actually going to, well, by the time this airs, this is going to be airing on um, April 5th. The performance is actually airing today. So one of my old clients, his name is AJ Smith. He is this like insanely talented singer, songwriter, music aficionado. He plays like 10 instruments. Um, really cool guy. He is going to be, as if you were listening in real time today, he will be on the Kelly Clarkson show to perform his new single called Nobody. 
And that's be really exciting for you. Yeah, it's so full circle because like obviously, you know, like Kelly is the reason why I wanted to work in music in the first place. And the fact that there is like a tie in between my fangirling and work life, it's just so bizarre, <laughs> but really full circle. Um, I will preface with I had zero involvement in getting this on the show. So I I didn't like go ahead and book it. It's, I had zero involvement. I don't want to give <laughs> any credit to myself. I figured it would be kind of cool to also kind of explain to people how the booking process kind of works. And, um, you know, pre-COVID, it was pretty it was pretty obvious. You know, if you're coming – if you're a musician or even like an actor or whatever and you're coming out with a project, your publicist or agent, whatever, will pitch you to all these shows and the booker will either approve you or not approve you. Pretty obvious. If you're approved, you go to the studio, you do your interview, your performance, and you leave. Pretty obvious there. COVID totally changed the game. It was it was so cool because I kind of knew this was going to be a probable thing by the, but like by the time I left or right before I left. It was one of the last projects I had worked on and um and they were very interested in having AJ on. Now the way it's working now with a lot of musical guests because the whole show is still pretty hybrid, we're still getting a lot of in-person guests, but from time to time you're still seeing virtual guests as well. Um, it gives the producers a little bit of flexibility with when they can place guests in certain episodes. Um, you know, there's not necessarily the whole continuity with like what you're wearing, with what Kelly's wearing. It's a lot more flexible. So the way it's working out with a lot of musical acts is they're able to perform and do almost like a music video, like a live music video off site. They perform it, they edit it, they do everything at a separate location and they submit the video to Kelly's people. And then eventually you'll find out if and when you're going to be on. So back in February, like we were making our video because the producers were interested in having him on. And um, I don't think it was submitted by the time I left, but it was still in the works. And it wasn't until very recently did we find out that it was a hundred percent confirmed and we got an actual air date and it was just so excited uh, it was so exciting. Um, AJ actually posted it, posted like a little like a reaction clip on his his uh, Instagram and TikTok recently of him finding out that he's officially going to be on the Kelly Clarkson show and what day it was going to be airing. And I'm just so proud of him. He's so talented, and it's definitely the recognition that he has been deserving for years now. And uh, that's very exciting. Yeah, I hope you know if I, anyone listening, I hope you know take it time out of your day-to-day to either watch the show or go on YouTube and look it up and look up his performance. It's really good from what I saw um, when we were in the submitting process. And it's it's so cool that she, they're able to give artists of all size this crazy large platform. Yeah, that's very cool. Good for him. Yeah. And speaking of people performing, uh, Pam, you actually got to go see a very familiar face perform recently. I did. Um, if you follow us on socials, you probably saw that um, a few days ago, I went to go see Bryn Cartelli. And she was playing a show in New York. It was her first show post-COVID. I don't want to say post-COVID. We're still in COVID. But, you know, now that things are opening up. Um, I hadn't seen her since the Meaning of Life tour. Ironically, it was the last time I saw her was exactly three years ago to the date that I saw her this oh, year. Oh, wow. Really weird. And I told her that. And I didn't know it. I, like, saw it on my, like, Instagram, like, uh, memory thing. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, that's so bizarre. But she played, you know, it's cool. I've seen her on the Today Show because 
as soon as she won The Voice, Kelly performed on The Today Show and let Bryn have one of her spots to perform Walk My Way. So I saw her there. I saw her a few times on the Mini Life Tour, which were all arenas. This time, it was like a 100-person club, which is such a cool environment to see an artist, especially someone who is such a great singer-songwriter. It was just her and a guitar, and she went on the piano occasionally, and you know, I was like three feet from her because the- I, th- I think at one point I, I sent you a screen cap of, of Bryn's Instagram story and there's Pam hanging out there with her seltzer three feet away from Bryn. It's, I was right there because it's such a small room. And, um, you know, I got there 15 minutes before the show started and there was a spot. I'm like, OK, let me just go up front. Um, it was so funny, though, because like there were a couple there were a couple people with with some some drinks, but I was in a sea of like high schoolers. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so old. I really did. But uh, there were a couple of people that were of age, so I was like, okay, I'm not the oldest one here, um, or maybe I was. I don't know. But um, look, those venues know when they book somebody like Bryn Cartelli, they and they make it an all ages show. They know good and well. They only need one bar back that night. They're not going to yep. need a whole lot of people. That's why, <laughs> just, that, honestly, that's why I bought a drink because I was like, I want to support the uh, bar staff tonight because I know they're not getting a yeah. lot from this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Bryn was so good. Again, it was so different seeing her from an arena to a very small club because she got to tell a lot more stories about her songs. She got to test out a lot of her new music that isn't even out yet. That is going to be on her upcoming album or she was even testing them she was like I don't know if I want this on my album kind of want to see your reactions to them so it was kind of like a little market research sort of thing it was just really cool she was telling us all about each individual song she even at some point points were like I probably said too much about this she's like I'm talking about people in this audience maybe I shouldn't have done that because this audience is really small (laughs) um she's she's adorable and just it's so crazy that she has so much like awareness and truth in her songwriting it's some like awareness that I don't even have at my age and um she's just I'm so excited to see her growth you know she's only mm-hmm. like 18 19 I am so excited to see where she is in a few years from now because she's only getting better with time and um, I really hope that they uh they being her label takes her out on a uh, on a radio promo tour because that's that's a really popular time for a lot of uh, stations to get exposed to these newer artists. They usually bring them in. They bring in their guitar. They sing a song on the air. They interview with a morning show or something. Uh, and that's, I've been very fortunate to meet a couple of up-and-coming artists that way. And Bryn seems very, first of all, she just seems so fun and bubbly and cheery and interesting that this would be the kind of thing that I hope that they get to do. So I hope that she gets to come through my area and uh, when she's out eventually promoting her soon to be debut album. I hope that I get a chance to, to see her as well, because I'm very excited to see her. Like you said, outside of the arena environment and in a smaller room. Yeah. And, um, you know, she, you know, I know we've said before, we've joked a lot about how like, all right, we're over Kelly being on the voice for me. I don't have anything against the show. I just, you know, I selfishly just want Kelly to do more of her own music. But when Kelly first started out on the voice, the first, first two three seasons I was super super into it not just for Kelly but because of the talent so I'm like genuinely a big fan of Brins I remember also from that from season 14 um I'm a really big fan of Jackie Foster I actually saw Jackie at that same venue a couple years ago and it's just really cool 
getting to see artists that you genuinely do like from these shows that you see them on your TV. And when they do actually get like that fan base or that following to see them perform right in front of you, especially in a small venue, it makes it so much more intimate and so cool because you did vote for them. You know, with Kelly, Kelly really never played these small venues regularly because she really just skyrocketed as soon as a moment like this came out. So it's cool that Bryn, even though Bryn is on a major label, it's still kind of like the indie artists kind of rise to fame. And it's very cool to follow that. Um, And, uh, you know, I got to meet her afterwards. It was very brief. I was going to mention the podcast, but there was like at least 30 something people behind me, maybe more. And like, I don't want to be that person, like hold up the line. There were people who did that. Whatever, man. That's your moment. No, that's your moment. I, I care too much about other people. Um, but I, I was. Pam, the empath. I know. It's a problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, maybe I wasn't looking out for the uh, podcast. I'm sorry. I mean, seriously. I'm sorry. There were a lot of people. Um, but she was so, so sweet. And, uh, you know, it was funny. I was talking to her about how I saw her exactly three years ago on the tour, and it was the final show of the Meaning of Life tour. There were a lot of pranks going on, and she was like, oh, my God, that was the best night ever. And she was like, I was just talking about that with someone. So, And she was like, please get home safely. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. You too. Like, she's just (laughs) such a sweet girl. The last thing I'm going to add, which was really funny, was during the show, she was wearing these, like, really high-heeled boots, and a few songs in, she's like, I don't know why I'm wearing these. I know I used to wear Converse all the time. I don't know why I went to boots. So she kicked off her shoes, went barefoot. And someone that was not me in the audience said, Kelly taught you well. And I was taken aback. I'm like, is there another Kelly Clarkson fan in the audience that I don't know? <laughs> I didn't recognize. Um, and somebody who had to be like slightly OG yeah. because, I mean, the the average bear out there does not know that Kelly performed her concerts for the most part barefoot. I, so that was yeah. that was somebody in the know. I like looked in the person's direction to try to see if I sort of knew a face and I didn't. And if you're listening, like hit me up. Like let's be friends. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm always looking for more, more more friends here. So yeah, it was just a really great night. I ended up going by myself. Rob was gonna come with me and then he bailed. He didn't bail. He never actually bought a ticket. He was like, oh, I have a meeting for work. I don't know if I'm gonna get there in time. And I'm like, all right, whatever, Rob. I'm going by myself. So, Rob, I still love you. It's fine. Um, I went by myself, and I'm really glad I did. You know, I didn't know anyone, and it's fine. I just had my own evening to myself. And, uh, yeah, Bryn's awesome. Love her. Her new song, Gemini, is coming out soon. She didn't tell us when, but it sounded awesome live. So, look out for it. And if I could just take 15 seconds to advocate for going to things by yourself, it's fine. Go to concerts by yourself. Don't miss out on the opportunity to go see a really great artist just because you don't have somebody to go with. Because for the majority of the show, you're not talking to whoever you came with. You're watching the show. Exactly. exactly. If you're talking to your person the whole time, you suck. Go listen to the music. Oh, last thing that was really funny. Last thing that was really funny. Someone asked her in the crowd to play Walk My Way. And she's like, no, I'm not playing that. And I don't know why. (laughs) I'm like, this is very (laughs) reminiscent of Kelly not performing a moment like this. Yeah, maybe maybe Bryn is uh, a little wiser than we maybe gave her credit yeah. for and knows that she doesn't want to be known as the voice girl and maybe she wants to be considered a, a legitimate artist outside of, I don't know, coming from a TV talent show. Weird. It's like history's repeating itself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think we're going to get into our first question. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So our first question is kind of funny because it goes along with uh, us not being prepared. <laughs> I think this is a really just a funny question. <laughs> this is from at Clarkson underscore India on Instagram. It is, can you give us a little bit of behind the scenes on how the podcast works? Um, oh sure. my gosh. We can do that. Sure. I mean, it it ver- definitely varies on like what we're actually doing for the the episode because sometimes we have to do like heavy research. And it's not because we don't know this stuff, but... There's been almost 20 years of content, and mm-hmm. it's a lot to remember. So sometimes we have to rely on our friend Google and YouTube to look up stuff. So sometimes we definitely have to like come prepared with like outlines and show notes and crazy things like that, which yeah. I love. It's funny. We were actually supposed to do an episode today, and I texted Jeremy midweek, hey, I haven't started anything. I need a lot more time on this. Can we scrap this for until next week? Yes. And that's kind of why we did mailbag because mailbags are a little bit easier to prep for. Um, and am I just <laughs> telling everyone how unprepared we are? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, and, I mean, look, we we have a whole list of recommended topics for the podcast that we uh, both have access to. And a lot of them are either topics that we have come up ourselves or you guys have come up with that we save. Because every time somebody sends us an idea for the podcast, we always write it down and then we will go back later and we will discuss between the two of us, okay, how feasible is this idea to do? Is it too similar to something that we've already done? Because we're trying to not repeat ourselves over and over again, he says in mailbag episode number six. Um, (laughs) But uh, we do take every single topic of the podcast into consideration and whether or not this is going to be compelling content for you guys to hear. And so we we don't want to, you know, get a little too existential on some things and we don't want to make it about us because this podcast was always about you guys. Uh, so we always vet every single topic uh, pretty intensely. And, you know, we've got stuff that we know we're going to be doing. Like, you know, we're still in sort of the middle of all the album breakdowns and we don't want to, you know, first of all, we don't want to do too many of them too quickly because we don't want to run out because we really enjoy doing them. And also, you know, the album breakdowns might be one of our most labor intensive kinds of uh, episodes to do because there is just so much information about an album and its era to look up that um, it just, it takes a long time to prepare. Yeah. And then also if we're doing you know, um, an episode like we just did recently with our favorite award show performances, you know, we have a couple that, that I'm sure Jeremy comes to mind immediately, but there's also some we want to rewatch or be like, oh, I forgot this existed. So it definitely takes us down a bit of like a rabbit hole on YouTube for a while. And it, it's, it takes a lot of time. So um, that's a bit of the pre-planning. Um, yeah. And then when we actually do record, oh, I guess if we do a My Kelly experience, look, it's basically, it's just a lot of us emailing back and forth with the guest or guests, or if it's a round table, um, coming up with certain questions we want to ask our guests, but it's not necessarily a ton of prep work on our end. We just kind of yeah. come up with a few questions we think we can utilize to have a conversation Uh, The beauty of interviewing is that, which I've learned a lot from Jeremy throughout this whole process, is that you're not necessarily going to get to all of your questions, and they may not be the best questions, but when your guest answers something, that stems more questions and more ideas that you can talk to them about. Right. So that's really the the pre-planning. 
you know, then we we get on Zoom. We do record all of our episodes. Luckily, we very rarely use the video because Jeremy and I are usually in pajamas because it's first thing <laughs> in the much. morning. Yeah, yeah, I know I am right now. I'm sure you probably are too. Yes. Um, and yeah, we, you know, use uh, separate recording. I mean, I use GarageBand. What do you use? I use Adobe Audition. Audition. And then I sent him the file afterwards, and then Jeremy does his magic because he's very talented with that, and I am not. And um, I get the episode back usually about a day or two before it comes out. Um, I listen back. Very rarely are there any edits I have him make. Usually it's a technical issue that maybe he didn't catch on or whatever. It's very rare. Um, And then I upload it, and then you get it at 3 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday morning. Ta-da! Yeah. We normally record on Saturday mornings. For the instance of this particular uh, episode, we're recording on a Sunday, and we always record a week ahead of time. So uh, we, if you're listening to this podcast in, in real time, we just, uh, what was the episode we did last week? I've already forgotten what it was. It was the award show, wasn't it? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Last week was the award show performances. So that's uh, the episode that for us hasn't even come out yet. That's coming out on Tuesday. And then this episode is going to come out a week later. Sometimes you will hear us uh, talking about things that happened in the world of Kelly that, you know, were just a couple of days prior to the podcast coming out. And sometimes Pam and I will do sort of emergency sessions and we will record small little bits to add to the podcast so that it, it keeps us fresh with especially breaking news, if you will. I mean, we're not really a breaking news podcast because, again, we record a, almost a week and a half prior to when you guys hear it. But if there is, you know, bigger news, then we will, you know, try to attach that to the next week's uh, podcast so that you get that a little bit earlier so that we're not talking about something that's been talked to death just because of our recording schedules. Uh, so we do try to stay on top of certain topics, but again, you know, there's not a lot of stuff that we have to talk about that needs to be spoken about very, very early. And if we do, that's usually what we just go to Twitter or Instagram for. If there's anything that's like super pressing, we're like, you know what, let's just go on socials and we'll talk about it there. Um, Speaking of Twitter and Instagram, by the way, if I'm the one who's behind the scenes doing the technical stuff and editing of the show, Pam is the one who is the voice of the podcast on social media. So if you see us posting on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, chances are Pam has written that post. She's the one who's interacting with everybody because she's much better at it than I am. I usually come in and I do something and I find out I've done it wrong or like I've posted <laughs> right on top of Pam when she's just posted and I always feel bad. So it's okay. a lot of times, a lot of times, yeah, I, I leave the social media to Pam because she's excellent at it and uh, knows what she's doing. And, you know, props to Pam. I, I, I don't tell her this enough, but she does a wonderful job with, especially our Instagram, because she is constantly scouring all of these various accounts that are putting out, you know, photos and, you know, cool things that are, you know, from the, you know, gamut of Kelly's career. Uh, and she finds those things and reposts them in our stories. And even I get surprised by some of the stuff that she finds. So uh, props to you, Pam, for for the hard work that you put in there, because it is uh, it's fun to see some of those pictures pop back up. And and uh, and the work that you do is pretty great. So thank you for that. 
Thank you. And likewise with the actual episode, because if you didn't edit it, we wouldn't have a podcast. (laughs) So thank you. It's so true. Like, you know, I mean, I can do a very, very poor job editing, but like no one would actually want to hear that. So thank you for actually making us sound professional. Well, you don't, you already sound professional. Thank you for making me sound professional. Um, (laughs) It's teamwork makes the dream work, guys. That is the moral of this, of this answer. Yeah. And, and really, you know, th- my last word on this is uh, it, it's a lot of communication. You know, we, we try to come on here and we, we talk with you guys for an hour and try to have some fun and, you know, have some laughs and, you know, talk about fun Kelly memories and, you know, where we think her career is going. Uh, but behind the scenes, I mean, it's a lot of communication between uh, Pam and myself. It's, it's text messages almost daily uh, between yeah. the two of us, whether we're talking about the podcast or, uh, we're, I mean, you know, outside of the podcast, we're friends. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, things in our lives that are going on. I mean, you know, Pam and I are both very big Foo Fighters fans. So, oh. you know, when the Taylor Hawkins news hit, um, you know, she and I, you know, we're texting and, you know, sort of mourning together. Um, kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like what people do nowadays is when, you know, there's a big celebrity death. A lot of people go to social media to sort of grieve openly with the entire world. That's sort yeah. of what we do now. And Pam was one of the first people that I reached out to because I know how big of a fan she is of the band. And, uh, you know, and I'm a a big fan too. So uh, I even was, uh, when you're hearing this now, the night before I was at uh, a Elton John concert and he performed uh, a a song, don't let the sun go down on me, which uh, he dedicated to Taylor Hawkins. And he wasn't even all the way through the dedication. And I was already texting Pam, even though I knew it was like 10 30, 11 o'clock in, in the <laughs> New Jersey area. I knew that I had to get her the text. And so, uh, oh, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's constant communication between the two of us. I hope that that's on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure it probably is. I know um, the dedication is uh, one of okay. my, one of my sister radio stations got the dedication. So I, I'll send that to you, buddy. Please do. I really want to see that. And yes. I want to have a little cry. <laughs> um, anyway, now that we're getting very off topic, but yes, that yes. is a little behind the scenes of how we operate. Yes. Uh, yay. Um, do you want to pick the next song? Uh, song? Sure. Oh my God. The next question. <laughs> the next song. Oh, I picked the next song for my job. I don't want to have to pick any more songs. <laughs> That's what I just, that made me think of it. You okay. The, the next question. Yeah. This uh, question is for Jeff and he says, uh, what about singles that didn't chart as well as you would have expected? Did you do this based off of like the billboard hot 100 charts or did you do like a general scope no i did i did it off the billboard hot 100 just because i mean i i can't speak for um for you know other countries charts because you know kelly is i mean yes she's a worldwide artist but i'm thinking specifically in the united states so i'm not going to be worried about where she charted in the uk or brazil or you know switzerland it's also more just thinking about i think we're in this case, we're just going to focus on U.S., especially because you and I have the um, perspective of being a fan in the U.S. and seeing what the numbers were and being like, really, yeah. that's it? So I was doing some research because honestly, aside from like the few that we know that have gone number one, like a moment like this, uh, my life would suck without you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there haven't, you know, I don't, you know, those went number one, but I don't really know of any any other charts. Like, I don't pay attention to charts. To me, it's not, it, it's definitely important, but it's not something I personally care about. Um, yeah. So I looked up a few songs, and there were three that I was surprised that they did very well, don't get me wrong, but I'm surprised didn't chart higher. I think the biggest 
shocker to me was Miss Independent only getting to number nine on the Hot 100. Yeah. I'm like, that was a massive song. And, you know, not that number nine is bad. Obviously, it's fantastic. Any artist would love to get that spot. But I would have thought it at least would have been in the top five. Yeah, Miss Independent being only in number nine on the uh, on the Hot 100 is pretty uh, surprising. You know, like you said, it was a it was a major single from that album, and it was her first big single coming off of the Idol win. And granted, you know that song came out in late March of 2003, and so you're looking at about six to seven months after the end of Idol. So still, you know, Kelly Clarkson is uh, still sort of a, a bit of a household name. The second season of Idol hasn't started yet. And or maybe it even had. Maybe it had, I don't remember. But either way, um, I'm surprised that it didn't, you know, just shoot right to number one. Uh, because I know a lot of people, you know, were, were still very excited about Kelly winning the show. The show was probably never as hot as it was, as it was going into its second season. So for that song to only chart number nine. Uh, was a little surprising. My big surprise was because of you, yeah. um, because of you only getting to number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, again, there are, especially in the U.S., there are a lot of different charts because there's a different chart for every genre of music. You know, there's a adult top 40. There's a adult contemporary. There's a mainstream top 40. There's a rock you know, um, active or a, uh, what is it? I can't remember what it's called. If it's there's active alternative and there's active. Yeah. yeah. Lots of different, you know, charts. So take for instance, because of you, um, because of you only got to number seven on the billboard hot 100. That is like the, the conglomeration of all the charts. Like this is all the genres of different music. That's the main chart. But like, if you look at mainstream top 40, because of you went number one. So technically they can call it a number one hit, but then they got to preface it with, well, on the mainstream top 40, but Billboard Hot 100, it was only number seven. Like when you listen to, and I, I can't remember who even does them now, Ryan Seacrest has a countdown. Oh, the AT40? Yeah, I think Carson Daly has a countdown and Mario Lopez has a countdown. And, you know, back in my day, it was Casey Kasem had a countdown. And um, those are always done by the Billboard Hot 100. So the fact that because of you, which was a massive smash off a of breakaway, only getting to number seven was just a little surprising to me. Um, also in the fact that, you know, a lot of people think that Since You've Been Gone was a big number one hit. It wasn't. It was it only got to number two. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, again, I didn't realize. I mean, obviously, I knew because of you was a major hit in the U.S. I mean, it was everywhere. But it's, as we've stated in the past, it wasn't, it's not a song that like people think Kelly Clarkson, in the US at least, people aren't like, oh, Kelly Clarkson, I immediately think of Because of You. I know a lot of, I learned from um, our listeners that in different countries, that's not the case. That is like her staple song in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, So I guess with that in mind, like I was a little bit surprised that this was lower. Um, I think the other one that I was a little surprised about was Hazel Eyes. Hazel Eyes um, was in a similar boat to Because of You. I think it only hit number six, which, again, is a huge number. It's it's way up there. But just with the success of that album, you would have thought that it would have done a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it, there really was when it comes to the Breakaway album. You know, we, we a lot of us talk about how Breakaway was Kelly's best album. 
um, had all these smash hit songs. I mean, I think really the the surprising part is that not one of those singles from that album was a number one hit as far as the Billboard Hot 100. Since You've Been Gone was the biggest at number two. Uh, everything, I mean, technically Walk Away, not even a top 10 hit. It peaked at number 12. Yeah, but like at the same time, the general music fan, most people listening to this, including myself, I do not measure the success of a song by a by a chart. I mean, right. a lot of, you know, the record industry and a lot of the music industry does, but the general public does not give a crap about, you know, oh my God, it only peaked at number nine. But it is, it's still just surprising. But yeah. that's to say, you know, Jeremy had knows, probably knows a bit more about this than I do. There's a lot of different components that go into a billboard chart. It's not just like, Oh, sales. It has nothing to do with just sales. It's like a lot of different pieces. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, going number one is more of a braggish kind of a thing. You know, they want to be able to market the fact that the song was number one. In fact, anymore, they can manipulate the release to where they can almost guarantee that a song will go number one. And it's kind of not fun anymore to I guess to have a number one song I mean I'm sure yes I'm I'm sure the artists love it and they they love knowing that but it is so easy to game the system now that it's it's not as impressive of an accomplishment as it used to be yeah I think once streaming really took off the last decade or so that's when it became because you know streaming wasn't a thing up until about 10 years ago um, and now that's a huge, huge thing when it comes to quote album sales and quote charting. There's a lot of different components that you can use with streaming, but there are so many loopholes, as Jeremy said, with streaming, um, that it's not the most accurate data, but we're not going to get into that right now. But yeah. yes, those do, do you have any more, more songs to add to this? I don't have any more songs, but I do just one more little fun fact is that, Another thing that was very surprising was that for as many great songs as she released early on in her career, and I'm talking about her first four albums, there was a period of six and a half years and two albums in between from Kelly going number one with a single. She went number one with A Moment Like This, and that was in, uh, she hit number one October 5th of 2002. It wasn't until February 7th, 2009, when she got back to the number one spot. And that was with My Life Would Suck Without You. And as we know, that is her fourth album. So she released multiple albums in between going number one. And never mind the fact that one of those albums that she released is considered to, to be sort of her greatest album. And... I, I just, I find that so fascinating. Like you would just think that with as much as everybody loves the breakaway record and, and with how successful it was, and it's her, it's her best selling album by a mile that there is not a single number one song on there, by the way, just because I love numbers and I love talking about billboard stuff like this, uh, breakaway, the song, uh, that peaked at number six, since you've been gone, peaked at number two. And it was only there for one week. Uh, behind these hazel eyes peaked at number six because of you peaked at number seven walk away peaking at number 12. I think also another thing to keep in mind is the uh, what what other songs and what other artists were out at the time like 2004 2005 
I don't know if it's just because it's the it was the first time in my life that I actually started to pay attention to the music industry, not just like a passive fan, but there were such high profile artists at at that time compared mm-hmm. to I mean 2009 there were, but she was also a little bit more established, but there was just so much competition in 2005. Yeah, I mean, that's that's when you're getting the rise of artists like Pink and Taylor Swift is starting out her career as well. And there is just a lot of competition. And also you have to take into effect that if we're talking about the span between 2002 and 2009, you have the dawning of the iPod. Granted, that came out in 2001, but still... You have the iPod, you have the iTunes music store, you have Napster at its peak, and ultimately it's it's falling off. You have um, very, 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 very early streaming, and you have the sort of the, the death nail to the CD going on in this point. You sort of have the final death nail in MTV. Music changed. I mean, I can't understate this enough that music changed so much between 2000 and 2010 that the the music industry was nothing like itself from the beginning to the, to the end of that decade. And Kelly was right in the middle of that when she was trying to get her career started. And she had a lot of competition, not just with other artists, but also with a with a rapidly changing music industry yeah. where it became more and more difficult to really break through because there were there were all these different barriers to doing so and um i mean as as a person who is a self-proclaimed musicologist like it was fascinating to watch music change from 2000 to 2010 um and i think that considering she put out some of her best material of her career in that time. I think she did remarkably well. I would be very interested to know how the Breakaway album, and I'm just speaking about this particular record, how that album would have done if it were released in, say, the 1990s, and also if it were released today, and whether it would have the same or better success in one of those decades. And I know not everybody can speak to the 1990s because, you know, not everybody is, is as aware of that decade. Cause yeah. I'm speaking to my Kelly fans who are, you know, kind of 35 plus. Um, and I'm sort of asking and answering my own question here. Um, and we're going really long on this one particular question, but I actually think that Kelly's breakaway album would do better now than it would have done in the nineties just because the scope of music, and I'm going to say I would put Breakaway at near the end of the 90s, not at the beginning, because yeah. pop music got absolutely buried in the early 90s between the downfall of heavy metal and what, I mean, they don't like calling it this, but it's hair metal, and the rise of grunge, rock, and alternative music in the early 90s, pop music was out there. But, but it was just not heard from. I mean, it was so buried on the radio and, and on MTV. Was, I feel like with pop, I mean, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, because I wasn't around for the first few years of the '90s. But I feel like it was a lot of like R&B based. It was. That, was that was the pop, and then as we progressed through the '90s, the end of the decade, we got more of these like, um, you know, grunge was not really a thing. There were still a lot of bands, but it was more like I'm trying to think in the vein of like, um. 
Blink-182 or, like, like yeah. the pop punk was a – and, like, the pop that was popular was, like, the Britney, Christina, and Sync. Yeah, we I mean alternative changed over to sort of the the pop punk and new metal. Yeah. Like your limp your limp biscuits, the your Nookie. Lincoln Parks. Yeah. <laughs> that was the late nineties. And then yes, you're right. Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, InSync, Backstreet Boys, they all come onto the scene. Spice Girls, they all come onto the scene like in the mid to late nineties. And so I think Breakaway would have done better in the late nineties. She wouldn't have fit I don't know if she would have fit the mold of the teen pop singer because you know kelly's not the one to wear the kind of stuff that you know britney and christina were wearing but the music was was just as good although i think you know again music started to shift a little bit in the early 2000s and you've got sort of the the female pop rock that came out because even the late 90s that was also very big with like the lilith fair crowd yeah so you've got Sarah so McLaughlin, yeah. Alanis Morissette, Natalie Merchant. I mean, 10,000 10, like, maniacs. A lot of that, it's like slower than a lot of what Kelly was doing. Because a lot of that's a yeah. little more like singer songwritery. Very much. Yeah, very much. So there was, it was very crowded there at the, at the uh, middle to end of the 1990s. And then, you know, when you had, I mean, I'll give her credit. When Avril Lavigne hit, she sort of opened a lot of doors for female pop rock singers. Yeah. And that's exactly what Breakaway is. I mean, Breakaway is a pop rock album. And I think that it hit at the right time for that sound. Um, but suffice to say, I think that long story longer, uh, I think that Breakaway would do better if it came out now versus if it came out in the 1990s. I actually disagree, but I won't get you. Think you so? I won't get you into this. I don't think it would I don't think it would be successful at all right now because I don't think there's a lot of pop female pop rock that's doing well at the moment there's some but i don't think generally it's the i don't think it's the genre that the younger crowd is looking for at the moment but i feel if it were to come out in the 90s i feel like it would have to be i'm just gonna throw out a very randomly little i would say like in the 96 97 range before Mm -hmm. like the bubblegum pop really took off but when it was still like Still in that Fiona Apple, Alanis Morissette, Liz Farish kind of time period, but I still think Kelly was a little bit more pop for that. But I don't know. I don't think she would have done well either. I think the beauty of it is I think the Breakaway album um, came out the right time because the mid-2000s with Pink, with um, uh, with Avril Lavigne, um, even a little bit of like Liz Fair and her, you know, that kind of stuff. I just think it came out the right time because the mid 2000s was the pop rock female, like the Michelle Branch time. Like it just, yeah, I don't know. I think it would maybe would have done better in the 90s, but I, to answer your question, I don't think it would have done, I don't think it would do well now or then. I think it came out the right time, but we're getting really off topic. <laughs> I feel like you and I can get into like a major like music history, like deep oh, dive yeah. with this, but no one else would be interested. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Thank you for sticking with us through all that. But I mean, we're Pam and I are two big music nerds and we love talking about this. Like we love talking about the minutia of music, especially considering that, you know, we both have experience in the music industry of some sort. So um, this is the kind of stuff where we sort of go off on tangents. Then we forget that you guys are all (laughs) sitting there going, what the hell are they talking about? (laughs) Who's Natalie Merchant? You know, (laughs) just kidding. You guys Uh, might know who she is. I don't really like her. Yeah. So thank you, Jeff, for the question. <laughs> Hopefully that somehow answered it. Um, but yeah, that's that's our feelings on. Uh, yeah, we, we sort of just asked our own question there and, and then went on to answer it as well. Yes. Um, 
Next question comes from, uh, it's on from Twitter. Okay. At Perk Effect. I hope I said that right. On Twitter. You previously mentioned that some of the songs on When Christmas Comes Around sound like they could be on Meeting of Life with some of the Christmas lyrics altered. So what other songs do you think could fit on other albums that they weren't originally on? Mm. That is a fantastic question. And this is an example of something that I think my answer will be changing over time. Yeah. Um, so I pulled, I'm going to pull up my phone because I wrote out a list and I did this. I didn't spend too much time on this because I easily could have spent two hours on this, but that would have not been productive. So um, most of the songs that I picked, I think would have been good fits on either All I Ever Wanted or Break Away with a few exceptions. So um, I don't want to take any from you, Jeremy, but do you want me to list a few? No, go ahead. Okay. I thought Walk Away could have maybe been on All I Ever Wanted. I think it has the upbeat pop vibe. Um, again, I I mean, with, with all these, I think, I don't think any of them were on the wrong album. I just think they could have been on another album as well. Um, what else? I think Can We Go Back definitely could have been on Breakaway. 100%. It has that energy, that vibe. But at the same time, it would have been kind of similar to some of the songs that were already on the album. So like it would have fit sonically, but I don't think it would have been the right choice given what else is already on the album. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing, can we go back on, on my December? Yeah, that could only, work. And, but unfortunately, you know, and, and I've made my opinion pretty clear about that album. Like I'm picturing it on that album and then underproduced kind of like how everything else is on my December and I now now I feel bad for that song. I'm like, oh, that poor song. It was good the way it was. So keep it on Breakaway. Um, <laughs> and I think Let Me Down could have done really well on Breakaway as well. It's all of that loud production rock energy. Yeah. Um, I. It's funny because, it, you know, I want to put songs on All I Ever Wanted as well. Um, I think that, and we know that the song was, I think it was actually written for the stronger album, but Kelly ended up hanging on to it. Um, I think dance with me could have been on either stronger or all I ever wanted. I hear that on all I ever wanted. I got that yeah. because I think it's similar to like a similar vibe to if I can't have you where it's yeah. that, like upbeat dance, happy, feel good song. I definitely hear it. Yeah. Um, I also think that Catch My Breath could have been on either Breakaway or Stronger. I hear Stronger. Do you? I do. Absolutely. I hear it. Um, I'm trying to think where on the album it would go, but I can definitely hear it on there. The message of the song is obviously of a Kelly who is further down the line. She's learned more about her life and, you know, about the people around her. So, um, you know, it, it, for me, it makes more sense being on stronger just because that's a later album in her career, but, um, just in the way that the song was produced and the way the, the song sounds, I think I could hear it on either one of the albums. Yeah. I think people like us could have been on stronger. See, I hear that on piece by piece. Really? Yeah, I do. I think, and, and quite frankly, if, if, I'm not like meaning to take album or take songs off of albums, but I hear peace or uh, I hear um, people like us back to back with dance with me on piece by piece. Huh? Interesting. I need to go listen to that. 
Yeah. It's so cool. We have different like opinions on where things you and I would be interesting A and R people. <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be nightmares for them. We would. And for each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm trying to find some uh some meaning of life songs here and see if I could move those around. Cause there's because meaning of life was just such a different vibe yeah. of an album. I, I gotta say that I would probably take some of the side B stuff and move that back. Um Maybe I don't think about you. I could maybe hear that on. I would say. I would piece say either. Piece. Yeah. Piece by piece is, is for sure. And I'm trying to think if I could hear that on breakaway or stronger, but piece by piece is the album that jumps out for me on that one. Agreed. I think take you high. Maybe could be on meaning a life. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Cause I think. The Meaning of Life album was just so different from anything else. So it's really hard to take it out. But I think you can place a few things in. Like, I feel like Take You High and Go High, ironically, um, not back to back, but they kind of have the same. And even when you call that love, they all have like the same. I don't want to say the same sound, but I don't know. They're sort of similar. Yeah. They can mesh well. That's it on my list. And I'll throw in one more here. Uh, and this is going to be completely out of left field, but I would put slow dance on the unreleased Kelly Clarkson country album. Oh, totally. Totally. I could see that. Maybe There's change it up a little bit. Um, uh, change up the arrangement just a little bit, maybe even have her give a different delivery, but for sure I can hear that one on a country album. Yeah. Now Again, the be, one that I don't think is coming out. The one you don't think is coming out. <laughs> the one that I think is coming out in 25 years. So. Uh, side side note on um, something you had mentioned about how Meaning of Life sounds so different. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but because Meaning of Life sounded so differently as an album, it is making it very difficult for me to figure out what the next record is going to sound like. Now we all know that, you know, it's going to be sad and, you know, it's going to have a lot of really heavy lyrical content. Okay. Yes, sure. But the sound, like the vibe of the album, I, I just, I cannot put my foot, my finger on it. Like you could, I mean, especially when you're going from breakaway to my December to all I ever wanted to stronger, like there was sort of a, a Kelly Clarkson sound, like you knew what to expect from her and then meaning of life while it wasn't a complete 180 from her sound it was definitely i don't, even, I don't want to call it a course correction but it was a it was a slight move to you know the left or to the right of her sound it was enough that i'm like okay is her sound progressing now is she going to start sounding different on this album and so what i'm saying is is that i'm wondering if meaning of life is sort of that turning of the corner for Kelly and now it's going to be a new sound for her. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And let's be honest. I mean, almost every artist has like the early part of their career is their heyday. And then, you know, they just sort of put out music and, you know, it becomes more and more fan service as they get further into their career. Like they're not getting the casual people buying their albums. Um, I think that, you know, I'm just wondering if, the next album is going to go back to sounding like a stronger all I ever wanted kind of an album, uh, despite the the subject matter, 
Or is it going to be yet another progression in her sound where it's not going to sound like anything that she's done previously in her career? Again, just a sort of a thing I'm throwing out there um, because it is so difficult to plug in where she's going to sound. And plus, you know, we're looking at what, almost five years now since she's released an album, a new like studio album that's non-holiday. It's very, I mean, anybody's sound would change over the course of five years. Her life has changed. Music has changed over the course of the last five years. You know, producers learn new techniques and they, you know, they work with different people and there's new up and coming producers and writers. And so it's, it's so difficult to figure out what this next sound is going to be. And I think that's one of the exciting things about a new project coming out is that you want to know what that, that sound is going to be. And I'm just, I, I have, I mean, if, if someone were to say, what do you think that the next Kelly record is going to sound like? I would say, I have absolutely no idea. I think it, I, to answer your question, I just think it's going to be a mix, a mix bag. It'll be a mailbag of an album. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move on to the next question. This one is from Megan. Where do you see the talk show going in the next couple of years? Um, good question. Uh, you know, the, the talk show is going to be interesting to watch in, uh, in the next season because Ellen is wrapping up her run as sort of the queen of daytime talk. And she's got just a couple of months worth of shows left. And then next season, Kelly takes over her time slot and already Kelly is, is from what I can tell. And based off of our friend, uh, uh, Kelly stats, Kelly's been beating Ellen in the ratings um, in Ellen's finale uh, season, which is, I mean, that says a lot about the Ellen show in in, in general. Um, but I think that Kelly's show is going to continue to get bigger in popularity. Um, I think that there are still a faction of people who are very loyal to the Ellen show and they watch Ellen and that's it. Well, when that time slot opens up and there's a different show in there, I think a lot of them are going to give Kelly a chance. And I think that a lot of them really are going to be charmed by Kelly and they're going to become uh, what we in the industry call a P1. It's a, it's like the biggest fan. It's the, you know, it's the tune in every day kind of person. Um, I think they're going to become P1s for Kelly's show each and every day. And her numbers are going to continue to increase. I think with Ellen stepping away, that's going to be a big help uh, for Kelly's show. And I think also you're seeing more and more people. I mean, it it feels like every month that goes by, more and more people are grabbing on to the Kelly Okies whenever, you know, she puts out a really good one. And we're also starting to see the sort of viral moments from Kelly's show happening more frequently. Um, I, I think you can almost bet on a viral moment from Kelly's show happening almost every couple of months. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it's been just a few months since the Sandra Bullock interview. Well, now the big thing is the Anne Hathaway clip. Yep. And it's when you have those kinds of moments and people watch those, I mean, I I've had friends who don't even know I do a podcast. They know I'm a fan of Kelly, but they don't even know I do a podcast and they come up to me and they say, Oh my gosh, did you see that clip of Anne Hathaway on Kelly Clarkson's show? That was so funny. And the funny thing for me is that I saw the clip. I smiled. I thought it was humorous, but I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, oh, that's cute. You know, Kelly forgot her own song. And then I moved on with my life. And yet 
this clip got bigger and bigger and bigger and, you know, 25 million views later, it's, you know, it's the, one of the hottest things that people were watching. And I think that, you know, Kelly is sort of taken over for like Jimmy Fallon. Um, you know, Jimmy Fallon used to go viral with a lot of his stuff. I mean, the, the carpool karaoke stuff, I don't even know if, um, what's his name is still even doing those. I think they, they've, they've moved it a little more off of the late, late show and now or late, late night show or whatever the hell it's called. And now they do it more for the Apple TV show. Yeah. But those, those clips don't even go viral anymore. You no. know, you, and when, when was the last time you saw a carpool karaoke go viral, you know? Um, you know, and when was the last time like a Jimmy Fallon, uh, kids instruments or, you know, yeah. goofy, goofy game, you know, probably the last thing that Jimmy Fallon had go viral had Kelly Clarkson in it because she was singing on that show with Ariana Grande. So I, I, I Kelly is like, Kelly is like viral candy right now. I mean, she, like her clips are, are going viral more than any other show right now. And that bodes incredibly well for the talk show's future. I think, you know, it's interesting because there, there've been a lot of rumors floating around about, apparently there was a quote that she came out with recently that said that she's like, you know, getting tired of doing karaoke's because it's too much to learn. So I might be misquoting and I probably am, but there was something in that vein. And I don't think they're going to stop doing karaoke because I think it is a huge driving force of people to pay attention to the show. And it's a huge viral moment. We see clips of her covers going viral constantly. We see Billboard, Rolling Stone covering it constantly when often Billboard and Rolling Stone wouldn't give her the light of day prior to this, which is very upsetting, but that's a whole yeah. other conversation. But I think to go off your point about, you know, she's caught, she's like the viral point right now. People are finally figuring out who she is as a person. For years, the general public knew her music and thought, oh yeah, she's a great singer. This is good. But people are finding out about her personality which, you know, as diehards, we've known this this whole time. This is not brand new information to us. Same thing with the Anne Hathaway clip. I watched it. I laughed a lot. I thought it was hilarious. But I only watched it once. I'm like, Kelly forgets mm -hmm. her words all the time. She doesn't know her music all the time. This isn't new information for us. It was adorable. Don't get me wrong. And I'm so happy it's getting the attention. But it, it, it was just like an, an, an another day for Kelly. Like for yeah. us, it was just like, you know, I think the funniest part was her falling to the ground. Yeah, if I if I see one more meme of that, I mean that's the thing that's that also is going around a lot is just you know the picture of her flat on that uh, on that yeah. base. I'm like she's probably done that before, but again for the general public they're like oh my god Kelly and Aunt Hathaway are hilarious together, you know, and I do love how the general public is really I, I say this every other week they're starting to wake up they're realizing who she is as a person as a brand rather than just like a breakup anthem singer. And I am happy about it. I just, I don't know. Not that I want her to stop doing the talk show because I don't. I think she's great at it. I think it's fun. I think it's what the world needs right now. But I just really hope, and it's really none of my business, but I just really hope that she's enjoying it. It is not doing it now because she is contractually obligated and that she's not like neglecting anything music related like personal music related again it's really none yeah. of my business and i don't really need to know any of what's going on behind the scenes for her but that is my hope is that she's really enjoying it and it is not burnt out yeah the thing about the uh the anne hathaway clip one more point for me is that i think 
for a lot of people, it was a chance to see a real human moment for Kelly that they don't normally get to see again as us fans who are way too close to it. We have seen these kinds of human moments over and over again in concert and on appearances and TV shows. We see these all the time. And it's one of the reasons that she's endeared to us and among many other reasons. But when she does it on such a large scale like that and the rest of the country who doesn't normally see it, that's how she slowly endears herself to new viewers and to people who maybe have just sampled her show. Um, and I think that things like that, while they're funny and I'm, you know, I, I'd be willing to bet that they maybe didn't even think much about it or maybe they, maybe their you know, producers and, you know, the people behind the scenes are smarter than I think they are. And they know when they've got a gold clip, uh, and they, you know, put it out there a little bit more, um, but I just think that, like you said, Pam, more and more people are going to discover just how real she is. And I, and I actually just the other day had a friend talking to me about, again, Kelly, because they feel very comfortable talking to me about her, apparently. Uh, she said, you know, one of the reasons I like her, she's so real. You know, she seems like a completely normal person. And I'm like, it's exactly who she is. I said, the way you see her on stage and on the talk show is exactly who she is in person. And, you know, if I had a nickel for every person whoever has said that, you know, I'd be a rich man. So you could, uh, um, you can afford to buy a, a VIP package for the residency that is not happening. <laughs> exactly. So yes, I think uh, Megan to, to, you know, sort of wrap up your question. I think the future is very bright for the talk show. As long as she continues to, to give it her all and she's still into it. Uh, I think she's got an excellent team behind her. I think her best days of the talk show are still to come. Uh, because I am very excited to see where this show goes once it has the top coveted uh, time slot uh, once Ellen is done next season. So um, I'm very excited to see where it's going. So this next question comes from our friend Moni. Uh, she always picks fantastic questions. So we're she she gave us a lot. We're not going to go that far. But she basically was like, hey, can you guys pick a duet partner for every single? And that's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot Oof. of work. But, and I didn't even pick singles. I just chose songs that she's put out. And I chose three songs that I thought could have been potentially good duets. And I chose maybe people that I would have liked to see as duet partners. So I'm going to pull up my list right now. Um, I think my first one is a song we already mentioned this episode. And that is Slow Dance. This has like so many potential people that she could be duetting with. So I have a couple of names, just throwing them out there. I think Leon Bridges would be a really good one oh, for a yeah. duet on this. Yeah. Brett Eldridge, because I love to hear something of them together that is not Christmas related. And uh, I think Chris Stapleton. I think that would be, a, oh my God, I think it would be beautiful. I think it'd be better than Glow if we had a duet with them too on this song. Interesting choice of songs. Um, I have two more songs. Should I go okay. ahead and say them? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. The next one, I think in my head, it sounds good, but I have no idea what it would actually sound like. It might be a terrible idea. I think Let Me Down could have been a really cool duet with Pink. Oh, yeah. I can hear that. Just a lot of anger and vocal powerhouse. And I think they would complement each other really well. Um, The last one I have, another example. I don't know if it's actually going to sound good, but I chose Be Still duet with chris martin 
Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. These were just very quick thoughts. Um, come back to me next week. I may have a different answer for you. I really, it was really hard because most of her songs are not built for duets. Yeah, they're not. All right. So for, for mine, I'm going to choose already gone and I'm going to have her duet with Michael Buble. Ooh, interesting. Very interesting. Thoughts on that? I want to hear her sing with him. Yeah, I would love a duet with them. I don't know. I don't know how it would be on that song. I don't know. You'd have to reconstruct the entire song. Like you couldn't just drop out some of her vocals and have him come in. Like you got to re, re you got to re-record that song entirely. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like as it stands right now, I cannot hear that, but if you were to like reproduce it and restructure the song, that that could work. Yeah. Um this one is probably cheating, but I don't care. It's our podcast and we can <laughs> we can come up with whatever we want. I'm going to do a duet on Second Wind with Marin Morris. That's not cheating. I think it's smart. I mean, they I already that's... both have covered this. Hell, we could probably make the damn thing if we can just, you know, get some clean copies of vocals and some clear copies of instrumentals. We could make it happen. Jeremy, you're going to get ideas in people's heads and they're going to make you do it. <laughs> you're setting yourself up for more work. <laughs> I don't have time. Uh. No, we don't have time. That's a That would be a good idea. I would love to hear them do it. And that would be, yeah, I think that's a perfect opportunity. And I think that is probably the most realistic out of all of our choices because, yeah, I think if you get them in a room together and Kelly remembers that Marin actually wrote it and yeah. recorded it, because I'm sure she knew at one point, but it may have escaped her. Totally. Oh, I'm sure she knows. She totally. has to know. Um, all right. And, and again, this is another one of those ones where it's just off the top of my head. So I'm trying to, I'm quickly going through my, my musical Rolodex and I'm also going back and looking at my wall of CDs and being like, okay, who would I want Kelly to duet with? I'm going to pick breakaway because do I think that that Levine, do not, no, 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 Avril no, Levine. no, okay. no, I was not going to no. Um, I really, yeah, that may not, yeah, it's not that song though. I can't do it on that song. All right. I have two more. How about, can I, can I slightly tweak the question? You could do whatever you want, Jeremy. It's our podcast. <laughs> All right. With apologies to Moni, I'm going to slightly tweak this question because I don't have a song in mind, but I have two artists that I would really love for Kelly to sing with and do some sort of a duet. And I don't know how it'll work. Okay. I don't know how it would happen. It may not even sound good. Is Dave Matthews one of them? No, it is not. Okay. <laughs> They don't. They don't do. Uh, they don't do duets too well. They had. Uh, they had Alanis Morissette on one of their songs, and it just. I mean, she was underutilized. Oh. And uh, yeah, um, I'm going to say Taylor Swift. Okay. Because I would be interested to hear the the attitude that the two of them could bring to a song. I want to hear what the vocals sound like. Yeah, but I just the the one concern I have with with Taylor singing with Kelly is and. With all due respect to Taylor, I am a big Taylor Swift fan, so I don't mean this in any way, but Kelly would sing her ass under a table. Yep. Like she would just, I mean, <laughs> she would overpower. The, I mean, look, Kelly's going to overpower 90% of her duet partners. I mean, she just is going to. I mean, any of these people that we've named off are all excellent singers in their own right, but Kelly's going to sing circles around them because she just can. It's just who she is. Now, she's not going to do it on purpose. She's not going to try to overpower the entire song. Like she's not going to be like Christina Aguilera on Lady Marmalade and just be like, <laughs> this is my song. My song. 
Oh my God. That's, that's, that's funny. Coming in and doing runs and whatnot. Um, Rob's going to clip that by the way, I'm going to get a tweet from Rob and he's going to clip that. He's going to be like, this was my favorite part of the episode. So hi, Rob. Um, Taylor Swift is one. My other might be a complete out of left field. I want to, I want to hear Kelly sing with Weezer. Really? Um, I'm trying to think what, I don't know what it would be. That's the thing. This is where I'm sort of going off script from the from the question. Can they do like a, a can they do a, a redo of Hashpipe? I would love to hear Kelly sing Hashpipe. Oh you know my what? gosh. I got it. Island in the Sun. Oh, that's also a no-brainer. Island in the Sun with Kelly Clarkson. Do that one. Hell, if anybody from Kelly's camp's listening, Island in the Sun for a Kelly Oki. That would be please. amazing. I would love that. Love that. Oh my gosh. Uh, as far and as far as Taylor Swift, again, I don't know the song. I just want to hear their vocals together. Like Speak- we heard Kelly do um Look What You Made Me Do on the Billboard Awards, but yeah. we got like 15 seconds. And I don't want to say she was doing an impression, but like she wasn't trying to sing the song. Like she was, you know, she was getting through that as part of a medley. She wasn't trying to like nail a performance. So I'd be interested to hear how she could work either with some of Taylor's material or if they just do it on a new song. Speaking of Weezer, this is really off topic, but for some reason I can't hear Island in the sun without thinking of um, about 15 years ago, some DJ I think came out with a, I think it was a DJ came out with like a compilation album and it was like, think of, um, think of the Jay-Z Linkin Park mashup album, but this was a Weezer, Weezer Jay-Z mashup album. And it's so, so every song has Weezer and Jay-Z on it. So like I hear Island in the Sun and then I hear like just Jay-Z beats on it. And like, I, it'd be really cool. I don't know. Not that they would ever do like a Kelly Weezer mashup album because I don't know how that would work, but, or a Kelly Jay-Z mashup. Whoa, we're getting ideas. (laughs) Probably would sound terrible, but that would be really fun. Anyway, did we answer your question? I don't know if we did. (laughs) I got 99 problems and it's because of you. I don't know. Oh I don't my know. God. I don't know how that works. <laughs> that would but, be but so I mean, depressing. But for some reason, like I just, I love, I love Weezer with a female artist because one of my favorite songs actually by Weezer is so out of left field, but they did a duet and it's more Rivers doing the duet with Haley Williams from Paramore. And they sang Rainbow Connection, like the Muppets song, Rainbow really? Connection. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's just exquisite. And I would love to hear Rivers because he has a very, uh, he can like get gruff and like raspy, but he's also got a very sweet sounding voice. And I would be very interested to hear how Kelly could try to uh, match up with him or even harmonize with him. I think it'd be very interesting. Oh my gosh. I think Kelly's tweeted him or about him before. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because I don't remember the tweet. I have to look it up. I don't remember. It has to do with the fact of her being like, "Oh my god, my daughter's name is River, and your name is Rivers." Um, but she, I know she loves them. I think she was during the Dave Grohl interview on the show, on the talk show. She was saying how she saw the Foo Fighters when I think Weezer opened for them, and I'm like, "Oh my god, Dave Grohl, Rivers, Cuomo, and Kelly Clarkson all in the same out. room." I would pass Ooh. out anyway. Anyway. And, I, and I tried. I tried to stay away from the obvious. I mean, I don't know what Kelly would do with um, with the Foo Fighters, but I mean, we've heard her cover them for Kelly Oki. Don't get me started. I mean, oh, it would just be so good. It's still it's still too raw, but yeah, so good. 
All right. All uh, right. Let's see. You want to do one more question? Sure. All right. So our last question for today is comes from at Brandon Austin G on Twitter. He asks, Kelly always name drops other artists, new and old, regarding new music or their vocals, and we rarely see any retaliation. Why do you think it's rare for us to see other artists do the same for her undeniable vocals and career? Great question. Uh, this is so frustrating, and you're right. Um, I mean, I don't think I'm. I'm sort of. I'm having a hard time with the use of the word retaliation. That might not be um, the right word, but yes. Yeah, because I mean that I, when I think retaliation, I hear like I think people are like mad at her and they're they're getting back at her. Um, but like I think. To answer the question, I think a lot of it kind of goes back to the Kelly Clarkson show thing where I think the biggest problem with her marketing over the years has just been exposure and proper marketing and proper releasing the correct songs for the general public to know. So as I've said, for the umpteenth time, I don't think the general public, including a lot of musicians, know her ability. They know she can sing well. They know that she, they put out fun, that she puts out fun songs. But I think in the last couple of years, now that she is on a lot of award shows, she's on TV all the time, I think people are able to now see her vocals live. And I think the narrative is changing a bit more than it did, say, five, six years ago. Like, for example, um, the American Song Contest that aired, the very first episode, they had Michael Bolton on. And we know... Kelly has spoken about her love for Michael Bolton. I remember, like, she saw him in some hotel in, like, 2009 or something, and I remember she, like, fangirled over him. <laughs> and it wasn't reciprocate. And reciprocate, maybe that's the word, reciprocate. Yeah. Um, but I think there was an interview that came out after the first episode of the American Song Contest where he said that she is one of his favorite vocalists right now and he would love to duet with her. And Michael Bolton's a huge name. I mean, he's not necessarily, like, a popular name in 2022 but like he is I think the a, word you're looking for is relevant <laughs> relevant sure but he is you know overall in the grand scheme of things he is a very big name very big career and for him to say that about kelly is a huge deal and i think you know every time we see people come on the the talk show a lot of people start fangirling over her so i think the answer is just because she is people are waking up people see her now people are realizing that she is the full package. And the nice thing is, is that, like you said, you know, people are are now able to sit down with her face to face and have a conversation. And I'm finding that it's a lot of actors and actresses who are very big fans of hers because it's funny to see them even, you know, going so far as to be like, I can't believe I'm, I'm talking to Kelly Clarkson or um, who was it? Uh, oh, it was Brittany Snow who was on the show. And she was like, Kelly was inviting her to sing with her. And she was like, this is my nightmare because she knows how good of a singer Kelly is. And and Brittany is a, a decent singer in her own right. She sang on an, a few of the uh, projects that she's been on. But um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Kelly isn't necessarily asked about in a lot of contexts. So you're not going to see a lot of artists who are going to say, you know, nice things about her because they're just, they're not thinking about her. You know, um, I'm trying to find a way to say this and say it in a nice way. I'm not trying to say that Kelly Clarkson is not relevant right now. Musically, when it comes to her, her current music, she is not. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm not saying that because I'm a hater. It's just simply the fact of the matter. Kelly Clarkson does not have 
current music on the charts right now. And if you don't have a song out on the charts right now, you are not in the average person's mind. They don't hear you on the radio constantly. So they're not thinking about you. I'm not saying that she's not a relevant personality, but in her music career, she is not a relevant artist at the moment. Again, I cannot stress enough. That is not a slam on her. It's not me being mean. It's just simply the facts. Now, the moment that she puts out a new single from this new record and it gets onto the radio and it's being streamed and it's being featured on whatever, now she's relevant again, musically. Television-wise, as a television personality, she is incredibly relevant. She is incredibly bankable. There's a reason why NBC keeps putting her on all these random projects because they know that the audience likes her. You know, I think that, you know, they put probably Snoop Dogg on this American Song Contest for more of the hip, cool, I would even say in a slight way, shock factor. You know, Snoop Dogg is going to be the sort of the wild card of this show. Kelly is going to be the one who sort of keeps it all together, keeps the show rolling. Snoop Dogg's supposed to be the one that says the like, you know, ridiculous things and does weird stuff. He's going to be like the comic relief for the show, albeit after the first episode of American Song Contest, I think Kelly was actually funnier and more relatable because she was the one who was doing more silly things. I mean, I I laughed out loud when Snoop like was acting like he was fangirling over Michael Bolton, which I thought was pretty funny. But um, at the same time, like Kelly's the one who grounds that show. Snoop Dogg is the wild card. And I think that when you add that and you add the Kelly Clarkson show and potentially the voice, she is extremely relevant on TV. And I'm actually a little concerned that she is getting a little too much exposure Yep. because you can burn people out seeing you over and over and over again, because they're going to find reasons to nitpick you. And I was worried about that when she first announced the talk show, because I'm like, Oh man, you know, people are going to pick up on her, little idiosyncrasies and they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, it's so annoying that she says y'all all the time or, you know, whatever, um, whatever, what people, you know, are going to land on. Cause there are people out there who do not like Kelly. She rubs them the wrong way, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, it happens, but yeah. But as far as like relevancy in, um, the music industry, I think that there is not a person out there who doesn't respect her. Um, and they know that she's an excellent vocalist, but also you know, musicians have to be very careful because for as much, you know, music as there is out there and for as, as big as the music industry is, it's a small world. And one singer says a bad thing about somebody else. And now suddenly you have factions that, that start to form You have fan bases against fan bases. So a lot of times people are just going to, you know, stay quiet and they're not going to say anything. You know what I mean? But yes, I mean, when it comes to people giving Kelly their her flowers, um, I I think that a lot of people respect her. And the fact that nobody is saying anything bad about her actually speaks more volumes to me than people complimenting her on how good she is as a singer, because I think everybody in the world already knows that. It's a good point. And I do think, yeah, I, I do get a little concerned that there's like almost too much and it's like a little bit of like saturation, but um, I'm hoping whenever we do get music, like a full proper album, that's not Christmas, that a lot of the attention 
I don't want to take away the attention from the talk show or anything that she's doing like outside of music, but I really hope that her music career is really, and her album is really marketed properly like it was, say, during the breakaway era, things like that, because she deserves it. She really does. I'm not saying she needs to like be a massive superstar, but I think it's really important for a lot of people to be aware and get, you know, get exposure to Kelly's music. Um, and not that I need her to stay super relevant, but I think and then another key point just to close this off is that, you know, she's turning 40 this year. She is not making, I mean, aside from a few small acts like Adele or Pink, but most people who've been in the industry for this long, they're not going to be catering to the 16-year-olds out there who are the quote-unquote tastemakers of what's popular and what's not. I mean, yes, the industry is, but it's really the kids who are the ones who decide what's cool and what's not cool. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think we're going to be talking about Kelly Clarkson's next album as much as people were talking about like Ariana Grande's or like Olivia Rodrigo's, and that's okay because she just has a different different demo, but... Um, yeah, sure. I, I mean, she shouldn't have an album like them. Yeah, that's okay. But to get to your point, I really, ho- I really hope that with the talk show, with a hopeful new album, with just her being out there more, performing more music, and just making people more aware that she's still like performing and exists. I hope that other celebrities and musicians will want to get on board and work with her as well. For sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for uh, this week's mailbag episode. Thank you all for your questions. If you guys have more questions, by all means, send them in to us. We love answering your questions and we will, uh, if we don't uh, answer them right away, we will save them for the next mailbag episode. Uh, And you can send those questions in uh, on our social medias. You can find us all over the place at Miss Into Podcast. And also, you can find out all the places that you can listen to us at MissIndoPodcast.com. If you listen to us on Apple, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. If you don't want to write anything, that's okay. You can also just leave the stars. But we always um, appreciate a little a little note as well. And you can do the same thing on Spotify. You can leave us a rating if you're listening on the Spotify app. Um, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. See you guys. Bye. You've been listening to Miss Indie Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Indie Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to Miss Indie Podcast at gmail.com. 